Hey there, my friend. Raise your hand if you are a beginner witch or a more seasoned witch who struggles to get the results you want after setting an intention. If you have your hand raised, I have a solution for you. Join me for a live, free, 45-minute workshop on setting intentions that get results. Go to witchlifeacademy.lilithamberley.com forward slash workshop and get registered. It is absolutely free. And by the time you're done, you're going to be able to write an intention that gets the results that you are looking for. I hope to see you there. Second thing I want to share, in case you didn't know, the doors are now open for Jumpstart Your Magical Practice. This is the four-week online course that I have been working on to bring my more than 10 years of experience and practice to you so you don't have to spend the next 10 years trying to figure out what kind of magic really works. If you're ready to find out more, go to witchlifeacademy.lilithamberley.com forward slash get started. The links will be in the show notes. Welcome to Not Your Daughter's Witchcraft, podcast hosted by me, Lilith Amberley. If you're exploring witchcraft for something beyond the aesthetic, if some social media platforms make you cringe and say, that's not me. If you're looking to build a practice that enhances your life, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Well, hey there, my friend. Welcome to another episode of Not Your Daughter's Witchcraft. I do have a quick announcement to make. I am taking a very brief break next week, but I will be back right here, same time, same place on April 19th. Let's go ahead and get started with The Witch Is In. I have three questions to answer, and the last one, which is about green witchcraft, I decided to turn into today's topic. But before we get to that, the first question that came in is from Clarice. Clarice wrote, My daughter and husband bought their first house in October before Mercury retrograde. I offered to sage cleanse the new home, but she declined. Fine, I don't believe in sneaking a cleansing or going against her wishes. She's now pregnant with her first child, due within the month, and has had a tough time of it. High blood pressure, anxiety, crazy hormones. I bought her a bracelet of stones and crystals specifically for pregnant mothers. She accepts it, but doesn't wear it often. Is there anything I can do from a distance to help her out, or would that be unethical? So first, there are two questions here. The first one, is there anything that you can do from a distance to help her out? And the answer is Yes, and I'll give you some suggestions here shortly. The second question is, would it be ethical? So let's talk about the second part first. Is it unethical? Well, that depends. Is it unethical to you or is it unethical to me? I'm a witch. I'm also a mother. And I can tell you that I would do almost anything to help my child, even an adult child, including spellcraft, with or without their permission. For me, I would only do that spellcraft if it was something that supported, something that I knew they wanted. So I'd look at it like this. Of course, your daughter wants a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby. So I wouldn't even think twice about using my witchcraft to help that outcome, whether she knew it or not. Now, if, say, my daughter was pregnant and wanted to have an abortion and I didn't want her to, I would personally never use spellcraft to try to influence her decision. 
Make sense? That said, this is going to be completely dependent on how you feel about casting a spell for someone unknowingly. There are definitely some practitioners out there that will not do a spell for another person unless that person specifically asks and gives their permission. That said, I am not the witch who gets all worked up if someone knows that I'm going through a tough time and they tell me that they're going to pray for me. I say, you know, have at it. I'll take whatever you're going to send my way as long as it's something positive. Now, as far as what you can do when it comes to helping with the pregnancy, there are definitely spells that you can use to help. So I'm thinking perhaps a candle spell that incorporates some specific herbs. I might start with a white candle. And, you know, why white? I associate white with purification and positive healing energy. I might also consider incorporating a green or brown candle into the spell because when you talk about her high blood pressure, I associate that with fire energy. And the opposite of that is something that has an earthy grounding energy. Some of the herbs that you could incorporate are lavender, which is going to have a calming effect. Same thing with jasmine, you know, for calming and healing. And maybe some hibiscus. You know, hibiscus is medicinally used to lower blood pressure. So perhaps putting that in your spell is also going to have that effect. So you can go ahead and dress your candle with these. By dressing it, I mean, you know, rubbing it with an oil. So you can rub it with the oils from these herbs. Or you can go ahead and, you know, rub the candle with, say, something like an olive oil. And then gently, gently roll the candle in the crushed herbs. You're going to place that candle on your altar, add a picture of mom and baby if you have one, so maybe, you know, an ultrasound picture, and then do some calming breathing exercises while envisioning your daughter, you know, very calm and relaxed and healthy. Hold your hands over the candle and visualize a healthy pregnancy and a healthy journey for her. And then you might say something like, you know, blessings of health and strength for my daughter and her unborn child. And you're going to keep repeating that intention until you feel that it has entered the candle. Then you're going to go ahead and light the candle and let it burn down. The other thing that you can do if you're good at meditating is just to simply visualize your daughter and the baby healthy and then focus on this several times a day for as long as you can. Now, I find that this type of magic works best if you have a strong meditation practice and it's someone that is close to you, so someone that you have a natural connection with. If you need help with meditation, go back and listen to episode, I believe it was episode nine, where I went through 10 hacks to improve your meditation practice. I wish you and your daughter the best. I wish her lots of health and happiness and also lots of health and happiness to your new grandchild. The next question comes from Shelly wrote, this is a broad question, but I am just starting my journey as a witch and there's so much information out there. I get so overwhelmed at times. One site will tell you this is the right way and another will contradict the first one and say that theirs is the right way. I also know to trust my intuition and that the magic is in me. I can write my own spells, etc. But as a beginner, how do I filter through or sort out what is fact and fiction? I love learning, but I want the right information. Thanks. Well, first, thank you so much for the question, Shelley. And you, you know, this question is the primary reason I started this podcast. 
I've been practicing witchcraft for more than a decade. I've read nearly 200 books, taken multiple courses. I've had several teachers over the years. And most importantly, I've been practicing for over 10 years. And I'm sharing what I've learned so that others don't have to spend the next 10 years trying to figure it out. But you know, how do you know what's real? Well, here's what I found. There is a lot of bullshit out there. You know, I started seeing all of this information popping up on Instagram and then TikTok, and a lot of it just isn't any good. Now, not all of it is bad, so just putting that out there, there is some good information. But if I was just getting started out, it would be overwhelming for me to try to sort it out. I've approached the development of my own practice by looking for teachers who have been practicing longer than I have. Or I might look to someone who has less, maybe total years of experience, but they go really deep on a topic and have been dedicated to that one specific thing for quite some time. You know, I spend a tremendous amount of time researching what I read and learn to try to find the origin of a practice or teaching whenever possible. You know, that's just something that's important to me. I prefer to spend my time trying practices that have been around for a long time and that have been shown to work. You know, I think of it like this. I'm almost 50 years old. I don't have time to be wasting reinventing some wheel. Now, that said, if I come across something new that makes sense to me, I still might try it out because, you know, just because it's new doesn't mean it won't work. Here's the other thing. You don't need to know 20 different ways to do something. You need to have a foundational practice that you can build from. So there could be, you know, a hundred different ways to cast a protection spell. But if you know one way or maybe two or three that work, then the rest is probably a waste of time. So I would say spend your time finding, you know, strong foundational practices that work for you. And from there, you will be a witch who can do just about anything. So thank you so much for that question. I wish you the very, very best in your journey. If you have other questions that come up, don't hesitate to, you know, write them in. I will do my very best to answer them. Then the last question for this episode came from Renee. Renee wrote, can you explain to me what someone means by green witchcraft? I've heard it means a nature witch, but I thought all witches are connected to nature. So thank you so much for that question, Renee. And I think, you know, I can talk about this for a little while, and that's what I'm going to focus on for the rest of the episode. So let's talk a bit first about witches in general and their connection to nature, because there is a common misconception that's perpetuated in, I would say, the modern witchcraft movement, and that is that many, many witches are deeply connected with nature. But not all of them are. It seems to me like witchcraft has become synonymous with the phrase nature-based religion, and that's just not true. It may be for some people, but it doesn't have to be. There are witches who practice different types of magic, like maybe ceremonial magic, and while there may be some elements of nature involved, it isn't this close connection with plants and trees in the outside world that many people envision when they think of witchcraft. So, what is green witchcraft? To me, it's, you know, it's used as a general term to describe a spiritual or a magical practice that's rooted in natural remedies, herbalism, and more modernly, ensuring that our witchcraft is, you know, it's earth-friendly, it's ethical, and it's sustainable. It's not using white sage from native lands. It's using white sage that was ethically grown and harvested. 
it's an earth-based belief system that, you know, I think it really honors or underscores that bond between humanity and nature. And it's us seeking to keep that balance with and connection with our planet. And, you know, that might sound like a lot of witches that you know. You know, it does for me too, but I just wanted to make it a point that, you know, it's not all witches. I would definitely use the descriptor of green witch for myself. It goes hand in hand with my spiritual practice of druidry. So what do green witches do? You know, you're going to often find that a green witch will incorporate plants into their rituals and spellcraft. We know as witches, as green witches, that nature provides us with so many gifts. And the green witch is the witch that's going to go out to seek and to honor those gifts that we find in nature. You're often going to find a green witch in their garden, even if it's a container garden on the windowsill. It's difficult to be a green witch if you aren't working directly at some point or another with living plants. So certainly there are times that you know, maybe all you have access to is dried herbs and that's okay. It's a great place to start, but I would highly suggest that at some point or another, you are trying to grow something because the green witch, you're in connection with those plant spirits. You're interacting with them in your daily life. When you're practicing green witchcraft, I mentioned earlier, I am a research focused person. I like to read, I like books, but when I'm working with plants and I'm getting to know plants and that plant spirit, it's by sitting next to them. It's listening for their song as opposed to researching their magic in a book. I might do my research in a book later, maybe to confirm some of the things that came to me. But I think working with plants, same thing with working with stones, is just one of those things that you become familiar with their magic by being around them. Now, green witchcraft isn't new like most witchcraft paths. It This is an ancient practice. It's been around for thousands of years. If you look back through mythology, you know, green witches played a really important role in mythology. They were often portrayed as the wise advisors who dispense powerful medicines and remedies. If you go back in, you know, in Greek folklore, one of the most famous herbalists is undoubtedly Circe. She used her knowledge of herbs to transform Odysseus's crew into pigs, as well as to help Odysseus return home during his infamous journey. In Norse mythology, you have Freya, who's associated with herbalism and witchcraft. According to legend, I believe she was said to taught Odin nine spells of great power through her association with herbalism and witchcraft. In Celtic culture, you have Caridwen, who had brewed a mixture of specific herbs for a year and a day in her cauldron. And she was creating Alwyn, and she hoped to give this to her son. But instead, as the story goes, it went to Guillaume Bach, who was then transformed into Taliesin, who is probably, you know, the most famous bard in Welsh and Celtic mythology. For myself, I incorporate green magic into my life on nearly a daily basis. You know, one of my favorite ways to do this is to incorporate herbs into the bath, so I wish I could say I t- was able to soak in a tub daily, but I do try to do it once or t- twice a week. And one of my favorite baths incorporates lavender, rose petals, and chamomile. Like it's just a really, really beautiful soap. You can add certain crystals to your bath water to 
affect your energy. So if you, maybe you need to raise your energy. So you might think of adding some clear quartz crystals into your bath water for that power. For an ongoing connection to your natural magic, think of, you know, wearing jewelry that's made of stones. Whenever I'm in a situation where I need a self-confidence boost or I'm in a, situa in a situation where I need the, I, uh, the ability to command a room, if you will, I turn to a citrine necklace that I have. If I'm doing a candle spell, I'm likely to incorporate herbs into the candle magic to further boost that spell, just like the spell that I had suggested to, you know, for the a healthy pregnancy. So it's, it's the spell, but then also either, you know, anointing it with the oil from the herbs or rolling it in the crushed herbs, because that's going to further boost my spell. You know, a green witch generally believes that everything that they could ever need is found in nature. Nature has, you know, always been such a great source, mystery and intrigue to us and really allows us to begin exploring those different realms and those different magical places and really bringing that into everything that we do. So my challenge to you is, you know, spend some time in nature. That's probably the number one thing that we could do is like, you know, get outside when you can and spend some time in nature. Listen to the stories that she's telling you. So I hope that gave you an overview of green witchcraft. That's what it means to me. And as you know, in magic and in witchcraft, you know, for every witch there is, is a different definition of the things that we do. So until next time, and remember, that's probably going to be in two weeks from today. I will see you then and stay witchy. Now, before you go, I want to make sure that we stay connected. So go ahead, join my VIP list. It's witchlifeacademy.lilithamberley.com forward slash resources. The link will be in the show notes. And I want you to join my VIP list because when you do, you're going to have access to all of my free resources, the ones that are there now and the ones that I publish in the future. You're also going to have access to any upcoming offers, programs, courses, etc. that are going to come out. So I don't want you to miss that. I want to make sure that we stay connected. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and give the show a rating. That's so important, especially for newer podcasts. I would really, really appreciate that. Until next time, I hope you have a most wonderful and magical day.